Welcome to the Rooted Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Wild, and I'm an author and mother. Here we have conversations on sovereign and instinctual womanhood and motherhood, cultivating thriving wellness, and much more. Listen to powerful birth and healing stories and topics on the wild woman experience. You can check out all I offer, including herbal elixirs for wild mothers and women, my book on pelvic healing, and all the show notes for these episodes at bethanywild.com. Now for the show. Hello, everyone. Today is going to be a solo episode. I have been wanting to talk about this subject for a little while. I've touched on it in different episodes, um, but I haven't had a specific one where I kind of lay this all out a little bit. And I know I'm going to listen back and will have forgotten many things I wanted to say. But let's just say that this is an episode kind of sparking this conversation all about how pregnancy, birth, um, nursing naturally depletes nutrients, and then a little bit about repletion practices. So in some ways, this may seem a bit opposite to the other episode that I had a little while back about the regenerative nature of pregnancy. And it is, but it isn't because I hold both at the same time. I mean, there's obvious, an obvious physiological truth that this process of us giving life takes something from us, right? But there's also a regenerative nature at the same time. So this is kind of my, um, the other side of this subject and just a little bit about um, yeah, just a little bit about it because I think it's important to understand as we go along this process and to be committed to the act of repletion and, and, and filling our cup and nourishing us what, um, what we have put out so that we can show up in our most vibrant selves as mothers because if we don't think about how it depletes us, how can we think about how we can fill ourselves up afterward? So there's a few aspects to repletion, right? And I'm not sure the distribution. I'm kind of always thinking about this and I'm sure it is going to differ from mother to mother but there's physical and nutritional aspects to depletion. And then the other ones are due to these mental, spiritual, emotional community factors. Um, so it's like multifactorial, which is going to be different from woman to woman in the ways that we can fill ourselves up when we feel depleted. And so... This is a subject that really matters to me because I have seen the pretty much immediate difference show up in my own mothering when 
I feel depleted versus when I feel uh, like nourished and vibrant and like all of my needs have been met or, you know, like certain needs have been met. I can show up as a very irritated, short fuse um, kind of mother or I can have just a what feels like a well of patience and kindness and compassion and um, like more ability to access the, the joy and the laughter with my child. And it's just amazing um, and so important for us to think about how we can get to that state and to be really conscious of all of the factors that are behind when we're showing up in our mothering that isn't how we want to show up and of course it's going to happen like we're going to get impatient we're gonna we're gonna snap once in a while of course I think that goes along with so many of us who are mothering you know like alone all day um, and not having the village to just like take the breaks that we physiologically need um but we have a lot of control over this too. So that's why I think these kind of discussions are really important and for us to just be conscious and really think about what we need and when we're showing up in a way that we don't want to show up for our children, like how can we provide ourselves what we need and what is the deeper issue at play? Is it a physical, nutritional? Is it a need for alone time? Is it a very deep sense of depletion, maybe having multiple children in a short period of time. Um, I think it's just all about consciousness. So I'm going to probably jump around a little bit as this is based on my notes that I have compiled. And um, I've mentioned, and I think it was the first episode of this season, um, just that I've been on a journey of healing my own sense of depletion. Um, so I've compiled like all these notes and tried all these different things. And I'll share a little bit about that, um, towards the end, but first I'm going to get into how we get depleted along the motherhood continuum, mostly talking about these like physical and nutritional aspects. And then I'm going to get into repletion practices, which is going to span a little bit wider, talking about lifestyle, community, food, herbs, and soul needs, which may be more important than all the other things. I'm really not sure, but okay. So let's just kind of start off with how we get depleted. So first off, I think probably many, most of us are starting off pregnancy already in a state of depletion. There are these multi-generational deficits that is our inheritance um, because we don't have probably mothers, maybe even grandmothers who ate a really nourishing diet and weren't exposed to all kinds of toxins. I think for me... I don't know how many generations I'd have to go back to to see one of my female ancestors, maybe 
maybe my great-grandmother grew up eating a traditional nourishing diet and maybe she um, wasn't super exposed to a lot of environmental toxins and all of that. Um, So that's like three generations of women who are eating kind of shit food, um, very processed, buying all these products that have a lot of chemicals in them, um, yeah, eating food that has chemicals in it, just a lot of those, um, those build up over time and build up over generations. So I think I was already born into that. And then I grew up eating that way. Um, not maybe as bad as some people, but it definitely, um, I think probably many of you who are listening can relate to that, that we already start off with these deficits when, when we get pregnant for the first time. Um, and then for women who have been on hormonal birth control, that's another big factor where it depletes at least 10 different nutrients. So that isn't something that is talked about, that it does that, you know, along with um, many of the other pharmaceuticals and pills that women may take in their lives that do deplete those nutrients. We're not really told about that. We're not aware of that, that there is this process that needs to happen. I think probably for women listening and it's just showing up a little bit more in the conversation in the natural health spaces about the need for preconception, um, like a time in the preconception window where we are preparing our bodies for the enormous output that will be pregnancy. Um, but I think probably just most women in general aren't doing that prep work. There really isn't a lot of conversation in the mainstream around preparing our bodies, much less our our spirits and our relationships and our lives and, and all these things for pregnancy. It's really pretty much the conversation seems to be just like get off birth control, um, buy the pee sticks to track ovulation and just get pregnant as soon as you can. That's pretty much it. And then find like a doctor. Um, so I feel like this probably doesn't even need to be said, but but maybe it does. I think it's helpful to talk about what it looks like when you're depleted. I think most of us who are embodied and in tune with with our bodies and what's going on, like we will sense that there is... Um, we'll just sense that general loss of vitality. And for me, I don't think I, yeah, I I definitely didn't necessarily feel it right away or in the early months after birth, but it was something that, and and I'm going to contribute this to nursing because I think in some ways there's more um, like output from our body with nursing than growing a baby, but I felt it around, um, like the two year mark postpartum where I just felt really tired and just this general loss of vitality. It was just this intuitive sense that, um, of depletion and like not being where I needed to be. So for other women, it can show up in immune 
health issues like hormonal imbalances, very extreme fatigue, um, but also not being able to sleep at night, just having some kind of general brain fog. And I guess it's important to distinguish between the aspect of motherhood where there's a physiological change in our brain and there is, you know, a, um, there are like major shifts in our, our brain and how we focus our energies in motherhood and, and part of that is normal. And then um, there's an aspect that can get um, really blown out of proportion when our brain literally doesn't have what it needs to think. Um, yeah, other symptoms can be like hair loss, fertility issues, cycle imbalances. I see in a lot of women not getting their cycle back a year, two years postpartum. And I've talked about this privately with women and friends. Um, I was taught in my, um, by one of my mentors that you want to get your cycle back around somewhere around nine months to a year. And that when it extends past that, that that is an indication of depletion. Um, I know women have different thoughts on that. So I'm just sharing what I was taught. I'm open to, I'm open to so many possibilities, but I just want to share that um, because it makes sense, right? Like fertility is a sign of, of vibrant health. And your body postponing your cycle from returning could be a sign that your body knows it's not ready for that output again, right? And then I think there are, I mean, there's so many other aspects of depletion showing up um, and, and different things that you may notice in your own body like even imbalanced emotions um, that are just signals to us that we need to focus more on filling our cup. And I think for so many women, it does show up. Like it might, it probably doesn't show up within the first few months. It's something that shows up a year, two years, whatever later, especially if we nurse for, for you know, a good amount of time. Okay, so just to go back to conception, I think there there's this kind of idea that all and and it's true like that all the nutrients, like the child gets everything they need in the womb and they'll just take from the mother. Um but it's a little bit more complicated in that. So if the deficiencies are very severe, the nutrition towards the mother is going to be given preference um, over the baby. And if it's like in a marginal state, the child is going to be favored. And this kind of makes sense for the woman's overall reproductive life. Like in a sense, the woman can have another child, like she can have a miscarriage and have another child um, so it's not always the child is given preference over the mother at her total expense. 
So where the mother is nutritionally at conception will influence how the nutrients are going to be partitioned between the mom and the child. So there's a little bit more nuance to to that aspect. Once the pregnancy is established and set, um, the body is going to prioritize that growth and thriving of the baby most of the time. So I would intuit that all of the mother's stores of all of the vitamins and minerals are going to be used throughout pregnancy to provide that nutrition for the baby in different um, like studies and articles that I've read there's a particular focus on certain nutrients that they talk about like folate um, zinc the b vitamins iron iodine selenium omega-3s that kind of thing um, that those stores are used for the baby um, but I'm going to intuit that I mean all of them are used like the baby needs all of these vitamins and minerals but perhaps there's um I mean, not all vitamins are stored in the body. Not all minerals are stored in the body. So some of them um, need to be replenished every day and some of them do get stored. And those stores are taken from uh, for the baby. What I think is really interesting is that towards the end, you may have heard that the baby's brain grows pretty rapidly uh, in, in that third trimester. So what this means for us is that we need to increase our fat stores in order to pass that on to the baby. Um, so I saw a one step that said that the placenta passes seven grams of fat a day to the developing baby. Um, so if we don't replete that, that's going to be taking from our own essential fat stores and potentially our own brain, like it will affect our brain health, which could be leading, will definitely would be leading to that sense of like brain fog, not being able to think. And I think what's really interesting, I've heard Rochelle Garcia Saliga talk about, um, how, talk about this period of time in the third trimester as well and not having how not having enough of that fat in our diet at the end how that can show up as things like dementia later in our lives when we're when we're older women like in menopause so that really sparked something for me it's like it's not about how we feel or it's not only about how we feel like a month two months, couple years postpartum, but what is going to show up later for us? Like maybe we feel fine in our childbearing years, but then we have these issues when we go through our next rite of passage in menopause. For me, I think about lifelong health. I think about intergenerational health um, and really how important this is. There are also studies, I'll link this in the show notes too, that have indicated this link between low omega-3 um, fatty acid levels and the higher incidences of 
depression. So that makes sense. Like things like depression, fatigue, brain fog, dementia, all these things. If we don't have our clarity and our brain health and we can't think and and we develop these illnesses of our consciousness later in life, like what do we really have? Are we really, can we be embodied? Can we be enjoying life on this planet? For me, I, I mean, the answer is very clear for me. So a lot of women take those fish oils at the end of pregnancy. Um, I'm personally not a fan. I think there's plenty of evidence and research to show that those are very generally low quality rancid oils um, that are just not going to be really beneficial. I think it's great to eat a lot of um, like fatty meats and fish, fatty fish and cod liver oil if you're drawn to it. One aspect um, of that in my notes that I think was really interesting for cod liver oil, and this is probably going to apply to all liquid versus capsule type of medicines is that in cod liver with cod liver oil if you take it um in the capsule format which of course is so much easier than taking it in the oil i get that um but the capsules are about 40% absorption and then if you take it in a liquid format it's about 100% absorption so with how expensive that stuff is, um, I'll link in the show notes the only brand that I would buy that I really feel is um, processed well and is high quality and isn't rancid. Um, yeah, it's expensive, right? We want to have a 100% absorption rate. So something to think about with the supplements that you take Um pill versus liquid format is going to be totally different. So this is again back to that um prenatal vitamin conversation that I that I that I put out in the first episode of this season um why I prefer my herbal prenatal elixir and why I prefer to take things in a like a tincture or an oxymel or a herbal infusion format over the pills. I mean, that's just one reason, the absorption um, aspect. There's a lot of other aspects to quality. But um, yeah, something to think about when you're buying your supplements. Okay, so we know that all of these, like there's a lot of output during pregnancy. We know that it, the baby takes from our nutrient stores that we have in our bodies Um, We know we need to have higher calorie and nutrient needs during pregnancy, but I want to focus too on postpartum because I feel like there's, I mean, it's already a truth that our calorie and nutrient needs are actually higher in the postpartum time when a mother is nursing. Because if you think about it, like the child is getting is is larger and you're helping them to grow larger than they ever were in the womb. Um so there's all these aspects of the postpartum time 
that can be even more depleting in a sense than pregnancy for women who have like birth trauma. They don't have enough recovery time, especially if they have older children. They, they're, you know, all the physiological aspects of not sleeping, um, women who are not able to have enough food, all of these things can be very depleting and maybe in it, maybe it wasn't pregnancy that was, but it was the postpartum time and the months after birth and all the things that kind of build up on each other. And a lot of women are trying to lose weight, like the pregnancy weight, not realizing that if they're nursing, they have to eat so much more. Like I think any nursing mother can attest to that intense hunger that comes with that comes with that time. And that's because we need to eat more. We're trying to, you know, grow our children to like 20 pounds off of breast milk alone. It's, it's a lot. And breast milk is made from a woman's blood. The type of fat in her diet is related to the type of fat that is in the milk that she produces. So um, there's many different kinds of milk and the makeup in them is going to vary woman to woman and month to month, depending on what she's eating. And again, as in pregnancy, um, it will draw from the mother's stores if not replenished in the diet. I saw a stat that women typically lose around three to 5% bone mass while breastfeeding. And that's because the calcium uh, is being drawn from the bone stores. She's not having enough calcium. Um, and other, other common nutrients that I was reading about were like folate and copper and iron and zinc. But really all the vitamins. So it's very important to prioritize a super nutrient dense diet, enough calories, enough protein, enough animal foods and fats when a woman is nursing because again, the the requirements are so much higher than during pregnancy. So all of this is pretty much like physical, nutritional aspects. I think there's so much to talk about with all the other ways that women feel depleted in motherhood, which probably a great portion of that is not having that community support, not being around other women and mothers enough not being seen and witnessed, not having an opportunity to process the birth and process any trauma surrounding that, being gaslit by other people about it. Um, And then I think another aspect, especially for first-time mothers, but I think this can also apply to um, like second time and beyond mothers, especially in the mainstream parenting paradigm is this aspect of nostalgia and resentment towards our children and clinging to the past and wanting to 
well, just that general sense of like resentment and clinging um, to our maiden selves that actually actively steals from our energies all day as long as we're in that state of consciousness. I think that is so depleting because I've found that being present and being in a state of gratitude for my role and my child and and all of those things like that is the way that we can produce um a life-giving state a state that is very much a part of um the vitality that we are seeking to bring in i don't think Um, I think if we're in that state of like clinging to our maiden selves and resenting our children, but we're eating all this amazing nourishing food, we're still going to be depleted. That's my feeling about that. So I really feel like that's such a key aspect of this as well. And um, Kristen Hauser, the second episode that I had with her, she talks Um, a bit in that episode about these kind of mindset shifts surrounding motherhood and how key that is to being healthy and well and happy in our mothering. And um, yeah, and then there's this other aspect where it really does like deplete us. There are all these energetic influences that are depleting in our lives. Um, so that's that's personally what I've noticed. It's like for me, it's been this physical piece. It's been um, not fully embodying my role in in gratitude and um, acceptance. And then, of course, that aspect of actual support and actual alone time that it it's like for me, it's been this trifecta of of influences in my own sense of depletion and healing that sense of depletion as well. All right. So that kind of leads me into the second part of this episode, which is all of these practices in which we can start to feel better. So of course it's going to be different from woman to woman, um, different things feel life-giving to different women for me that I'm just offering kind of a starting point, just some initial thoughts, a way for you to listen and then reflect on, you know, what is life-giving to you. Um, so I think I'll start with that aspect of the food and the herbs and that, that, that physical aspect. Um, so again, like I know everyone is going to have a different diet on here, but I think we can pull from traditional wisdom, which has always held that sacred animal foods are, um, so important for women along the motherhood continuum to give them very, um, yeah, all these nutrient-dense foods in order to support them, support their children's growth, um, all these things. So enough 
calories, enough protein, enough nutrient-dense animal foods, and that includes the animal from nose to tail. So the organs, the making broths from the bones and the other um, collagenous, gelatinous aspects of the animal. Um, eggs, raw dairy, fermented foods, fruits, all organic, grass-fed, pasture-raised, all the things, all of those were very important for me to prioritize and really help me feel better and more grounded and have more energy and feel more vibrant. Um, I think what was also really helpful for me was aligning with circadian rhythms. So there was a time period where I was in the desire to have more alone time and have a creative outlet. I woke up early, like before sunrise. I was active. I drank coffee. I got like my brain and my body moving before the sun was even up. And, um, I think there's nothing there's nothing wrong with like having an outlet for your creativity and sometimes we want to give part of our life force in exchange for a um like creative project like for me I feel like I gave part of my life force to my book during that time and I have no regrets and I think um there's just always an exchange like there's no right or wrong but for me once I was done with the book, um, and once I was done with a few other projects, I prioritized, um, cutting back on the caffeine, waiting to drink coffee until at least the sun was up. Um, and just, just aligning more with the, like the sun and, the uh, sunrise and the sunset and making sure my body was like aligned with all of that to support my hormonal balance. And that actually made a really big difference. So then I talked in my other episode about some of the things that I did as far as like supplements. I went through a season of committing to following my intuition as far as what supplement or herb or adaptogen or um, food or whatever I wanted to eat. And then for most of them, I, I bought like, you know, one bottle or one bag of powder or, or whatever it was. And then I felt like I got what I needed from that. And then I went to the next thing that I was drawn to. And I'm always an advocate of that because I feel like, um, it just, makes so much more sense, right? To follow our intuition as far as what nutrients we feel like we need. And then, um, if we feel like we're done with it, move on to the next thing that we feel drawn to. So there, like I went through a lot of different things that I tried. I did cod liver oil for a season, um, adrenal cocktails, magnesium, liver and other different organs. I took those in supplements because I just, I just couldn't with the, with the, with taking them straight. Um, vitamin C, maca, ashwagandha, 
Um, trying to remember some of the other ones. I've definitely greens powder. I did that for a time. And so currently I just take, um, a multi-organ supplement and then I take magnesium and that's pretty much it. I mean, I drink a lot of herbal drinks throughout the day. Um, I don't really count that as a supplement, I guess, but so yeah, I really enjoy like a cacao maca drink and then, you know, a bunch of other different drinks throughout the day. So, um, yeah, those feel like those support my energy and my own desire to like have a warm, energizing kind of drink or a relaxing drink. And it feels like those support my vitality and I don't eat as much meat as I did back when I was in this season of of um, really actively trying to to feel more energy and more vibrant. I feel like every every step along the way for me has been intuition led. Um, so yeah, I think I probably just have more dairy and eggs than I do meat. Maybe I'll have meat like once a day. Okay. So that's just some starting points for like that, the physical and the nutritional aspects. I think that, um, is always going to be a component of, of healing, especially when we're talking about a physical process like pregnancy and birth and nursing. Um, so there's these other aspects of lifestyle and community, like child spacing, we all know the wisdom around that, giving ourselves that time for our bodies to build up their nutrient stores again and and all of that before we take on another pregnancy. Um, I have a lot of I, I see a lot of women who who just, you know, wait a year or maybe maybe two years and Everything I've read from the traditional wisdom is that they waited at least three, sometimes I've seen more years before pregnancy. Um, And I know accidents happen. I know children have their own divine timeline. And sometimes we, maybe we get started later in life having children and we want to have um, like close spacing. So I always trust in the body, like we can handle it, we can regroup, we can replete, we can be okay no matter what happens. But if we do have the control and the consciousness around it, I think there is a lot of benefit to spacing out our pregnancies, not only for our own bodies, but for our children to receive everything they need from us before we add another uh, baby to split our energies and our attentions. Um, again, like I, I don't have judgment at all. Um, this has just been my own process and prioritization, but I think that everything is also at the same time in divine timing and wisdom. So it's something for you to think about with your own family and what you feel like you can take on. And yeah, I think there's obviously so 
much entwinement with depletion and community building and having meaningful relationships with other, particularly other women in our lives. Um, like even if you feel so depleted and so tired, but you have your people that can be so life-giving. Um, and I think there's just, that just speaks to, and, and also what I'm going to talk about in a second about the soul, it's like, there's so much to our sense of happiness and contentment and vitality and nourishment that has nothing to do with food or nutrients, but rather the quality of our relationships and being fed by, um, people we love and feeling that sense of support that is just, it, it's, it's like you, you can't really go without it. Like I mentioned before, it's like you can eat all the nourishing foods, but if you're alone all day and you're lonely about that, um, how good can you really feel? So I know, I know how confronting and difficult that is. And I know that we don't live in a current culture that prioritizes true community and true, um, tribe and working through conflict in relationships and all the things that, all the difficult things that, and, and interpersonal situations that go along with community. Um, I certainly cannot attest to it personally because I don't live in community. I don't, um, I don't live in that way. And I don't necessarily idealize it either, but I know its impact. And I know that um, we would do well to think about that aspect as we're working towards healing and rebuilding and getting some ideas about how we can bring more of that in. My last episode with Zuri was great and um, really meant to inspire the women listening to bring some of those ideas into their community if it resonates. Um, Because I think that we need models, we need inspiration. um, And I hope to bring a lot more of that conversation on from women who are actually doing it and the issues that come up and um, yeah, just getting like different ideas and inspiration for how we can create community in a new way because it's we're not going to go back to tribal living, maybe in some cycle in the future. Uh, but that's not we we have to dream up something new that fits with how we grew up in a super individualistic culture and. Um, yeah, how do we meld the two in this modern, this new modern way? So yeah, again, I hope to really bring on more of that conversation because that was really inspiring to me to bring on Zuri and kind of get some ideas there. So yeah, the last part I want to talk about is soul. There is a huge aspect to Um, that was so key for healing my feeling of depletion and bringing vitality back to myself that was addressing my soul 
and my spiritual needs, um, there were definitely like a, a few different things that were really helpful for me. Always nature, getting out on nature walks, getting out on um, on hikes has been a really big part for me. Um, I feel like when I get out there, I'm I'm tapping into universal energy. I'm tapping into that deep, grounded, um, enormous, vast well of energy and embodied vitality of not just mother nature, but, but yeah, again, like this universal web of, of energy from the sky, from the earth, from the trees, from, from all of the, all of the mana that's out there. Um, that's, that's really what I try to tap into and what I feel when I get out into nature and go on these walks. So I always prioritize that. I always ask my friends if they're getting in some solo time to walk in nature. I don't think there really is anything else like it. It's how our physiology is designed um, for the earth to not just like for a way for us to discharge our own energy into the earth, but also receive energy and get rewoven. My mind, I can go out into nature and start my walk out with a a total monkey mind where I'm just stressed out and I'm thinking a lot. And then I end the walk, um, usually a couple hours later, totally at, um, at peace, at mental peace, at physical peace. For me, it's, it's, yeah, it's so key. I don't, I'm just not able to get out on as many nature walks as I would like my ideal situation that will probably only happen when I am an old woman or an older woman is, is, is walking like four to eight hours a day out in nature that might sound kind of crazy to to the women listening, but I really feel like walking is the best physical activity that we can do, and um, especially out in nature. So that's been really important for me. Um, there were different healing modalities that I've done in the last couple of years that I found really impactful. Um, just general therapy has been really supportive to me and being able to, to talk to someone about what I'm going through and getting validated. And, um, there's really just something to verbalizing what you're going through in order to bring it into your consciousness. And only then can we, um, realize what has been living in us unconsciously. And then, yeah, only then can we really address it and heal it. So that's been really key. I've also done um, quantum healing session, which was so amazing. I feel like I could have a whole podcast about all that I went through um, in those sessions and how it completely changed me as a person. So um, yeah, art, 
for me that has been, I, yeah, I've always done art in my life, like painting and different, um, different mediums. My mother was an artist. Um, I come from a family of artists and so art has been part of my way to express and connect to my soul, connect to my mother, um, give myself just this space of connection to self and creative expression. So I think it's important in addition to connecting with our need for community and, and friendships and eating good foods to think about the state of our soul and to think about ways that we can fill up our spiritual cup. I really feel uh, like this sense of spirituality and faith, whatever that looks like for you, can carry you through the trials of modern mothering in a way that um, I don't feel like much else can. It gives you a sense of um, like fortitude and a long range vision that is so key. So however it looks like for you to build a spiritual life, to connect with your soul, to connect with something that is outside of you that can give you strength, um, that may be able to carry you even further than all of the other things that I've mentioned. Um, so God, I could do a whole, <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on that. I actually did I did, I will link it in the show notes, the episode that I did where I talked about my current journey of honoring my ancestry and um, just my my practices and my my thoughts around all of that since my mother has passed and how my spirituality has really grown and my faith and my my um my desire to live a prayerful and spirit-led life has become um like the center that episode is number 29 i remember i am a prayer on my ancestor's breath and i've evolved a little bit in how i've thought about these things since then but just to say that I think that aspect of ourselves is so, so important and can give us more strength than anything and carry us through all of the hardships in our lives and giving us meaning behind it. So, um, yeah, just to spark that within you. So I think that that's pretty much all of my notes and all I wanted to share about this very specific topic of kind of the ways that we can feel depleted and some ideas for reclaiming ourselves and coming into the strongest version of ourselves. 
I have said before in my other episode about the regenerative nature of pregnancy, how I feel like truly within the opportunity of pregnancy and birth and mothering, we can, we have the opportunity to come into a better version of ourselves. And I feel like this journey that I've been on with repletion has made me into a better version. I'm not just have I reclaimed my feeling of being nourished and vibrant and all those things, but I've come to a place where that that I haven't been before, a better place. So I want to offer that up too. I think that's so important. I think that um yeah, yeah, you can listen to that other episode about the regenerative nature where where I get into this so much more about my my feelings about about all of these things and how we're we're made for this and and all of that. So um next I'm going to do a part 2 solo episode on plant allies for motherhood. I didn't have enough space or time to put it in this one, but I'm excited to get deeper into that and just that connection for mothers, how folk herbalism and mothering are entwined and um, yeah, just, just some ideas about herbalism and herbs along the motherhood continuum so, um, yeah, the next several episodes, maybe like three episodes are going to be my conversations with other women, hearing a couple of beautiful birth stories. And then I'll probably bring in that part two solo episode about, about plants in the new year. All right. So feel free to reach out if you have a story about healing your own depletion and you want to share to inspire other women and mothers who listen to this podcast, you can reach out through, um, hello at bethanywild.com. Again, all the links to everything are in the show notes. And just to give a quick update for my herbal elixir as of recording this podcast, I only have two bottles left of my last batch. I'm, I just started um, a new batch yesterday, um, but it won't be ready for about a month. So around um, the beginning or mid-January, there should be more bottles available. But if you want to claim a bottle, because they're kind of going faster than I can brew them, just feel free to reach out to to do so. Okay, again, I'm so glad that you all are here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this community and this vision for a new way of mothering and a new way of living in our womanhood. All right. Talk soon.
Thank you for listening and being here. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to have you share it with a friend and review this podcast. It really helps to have more women find these conversations. You can check out all I offer, including herbal elixirs for wild mothers and women, my book on pelvic healing, and show notes for these episodes at bethanywild.com. Together now, oh, wild sisters singing over the bones.